Hello and welcome back to episode five of the Fantasy Injury Team podcast. I am your host, Joe D'Amico. Today's episode is a terrific one. We talk about players who we think are going to disappoint at their ADP and players who are going to crush their ADPs this season. Mount Rushmore style, baby. Stuff's going to help you guys hopefully win your league. As always, go explore our website, guys. Go check it out. We are the Fantasy Injury Team, www.fantasyinjuryteam.com for tons of awesome information. Follow us, interact with us, send us messages. We'd love to have your guys grab bag, your, your mailer questions, your concerns on our show. We're also on Twitter, at injury underscore fantasy. And subscribe to our podcast. Throw us a five-star rating. Throw us a bone here. We would appreciate it greatly. With me once again is my guy the doctor's in he's the doctor of physical therapy tom what's happening brother what's going on good morning everyone how we doing good morning man beautiful day beautiful here day here in jersey 70 degrees here gotta get outside as much as we can now ladies and gentlemen we have a very very special guest today we are thrilled to have him on our show his name is frank amarante you guys can follow him on twitter he's at f Amarante, that's A-M-M-I-R-A-N-T-E-T-F-J. He's an electric follow. I follow him for all my uh, fantasy needs. He's a writer for Game Day NFL, diehard NFL guy. Welcome to the show, Frank. Glad to have you on. Oh, thanks for having me on, guys. It's a pleasure. Uh, love your work and uh, love to talk some football today. Love to hear it, man. And you're recording from where again? Just out- outside of Toronto and uh, London, Ontario. In Canada. <laughs> Love it. I didn't even ask, is there like a big fantasy football scene in Canada? Do people like it as much as they do here in the, in the States? Uh, yeah, they love it. It's like, look, in my circle of friends, you know, everyone's a lot of people are into it. Even as you go further out, like mutual friends, a lot of people love fantasy football. Um, definitely, especially around Toronto. I don't know as much around other parts of Canada. I'm sure they do, but not to the same as like the greater Toronto area and in on Southern Ontario, but n- not quite sure on that. So I, I don't want to like assume. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's growing everywhere. Like it was just in America and now I'm seeing people like in London pop up. It's just, it's a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah. The Europeans are starting to get into it. It's really cool. Oh yeah. It's a lot of fun until week three when my team's all on IR and I'm complaining every week. And uh, <laughs> uh, but really happy to have you guys on. Give him a follow. He's awesome. Ta- I mean, you tweet awesome stuff, man. So much great content, so much great Thank information. <laughs> We're excited to pick your brain today on our show. So before we get into our Mount Rushmore, guys, got some news updates for you, as always, like to keep you guys up to date on what's going on around the league injury wise, specifically. Um, Last episode, episode four, we talked a little bit about Zach Wilson and his surgery. I think he was actually in surgery, Tom, when the episode was airing. Um, What's the word on it, Tom, on on his right knee? Seemed to go successfully, but what's the update there? So in in this situation, what they were unsure of is could they do a meniscal debridement or they just simply trim out the injured part? Or did they have to, based on the, the size and the location of the injury, did they have to repair it? The difference there for his outlook this season is dramatic. A debridement, there's no repairing tissue other than the skin where a very small incision occurs. So it's just pain and swelling management before he can get back on the field, typically about two to four weeks. Um, and that's what he was able to do, luckily for for Jets fans and for, for Zach Wilson and for 
people that have him in fantasy. So he'll be back on the field. I think week one is in play. It's kind of up in the air. We'll, we'll know more the closer we get. But um, he did not need to get the repair, which is what Irv Smith Jr. had last season. That would be a season ender because they literally have to sew the meniscus tissue together. And it's just, the cellular process just takes time to fully heal, to fully regain its strength. And you have to avoid weight bearing through it for several weeks. And then it's a slow recovery process from there. So for his fantasy outlook, this is really good news for him. I have just a quick question okay, so- for you. Sorry, sorry to ch- jump in. I just wanted to no, see. I'll get it, man. I just wanted to uh, ask, like, do you think, like, it sounds like um, you believe he'll be ready week one. Do you think this is the type of injury that when he does play, it'll sort of affect his performance a bit? Maybe he has to take it easy, or is it kind of a thing when you're, like, when you're ready to go, it'll be fine? What yeah. do you think? Great question. Um, so on fantasyinjuryteam.com, we do have a meniscus page where we discuss this. Um, and as, as always, we look at the data of how players return from injuries. This particular injury is just not common in quarterbacks. So we have a very small sample size, um, not big enough to make any conclusions as far as stats and data goes. However, just knowing what this injury is, treating it uh, in real life, it, he may have a slight decline of performance in the first couple games. If there's still lingering pain and swelling because it is on his right knee, which is the leg that he pushes off on to generate his force for his throw. But I don't think anybody's really starting him week one. Anyway, yeah. like he's not a top 12 quarterback, maybe in, in two QB leagues. Um, you may throw him out there. Um, but to me, he's more of a dynasty stash at this point anyway. And I don't think that this is going to impact his long-term future. I wouldn't be surprised if week one and two, he's still a little bit hampered by it though. All right. So while we're on the jets here, um, Frank, do you, do you have quickly, do you have anybody on the jets that you just like love for fantasy football this year? Maybe one or two guys. We're just, we're just going to pick your brain here. That's what we're doing to our special well, guests. Here. Anyone on the jets you just like really like? There's no one that I really love, but I've been drafting a few, uh, Elijah Moore, just because, especially in best ball, like underdog formats, uh, just because he's at a nice price. I think you could get him like around seventh round. And, you know, he's got a kind of ton of talent. He flashed as a rookie, could win on the outside. He's a great route runner. He just, you see the talent jump off the screen. And, you know, if, and especially in a best ball format, Moore could have those spike weeks and it could come. It could come uh, unexpectedly and maybe a tough matchup on paper. So it's he's great for best ball. He's great in real in um, like uh, traditional formats too. But I like him a lot in best ball. And then you know Garrett Wilson. He's a he had um, great draft capital. He goes really late. He's another. He's more suited for best ball. More is more is good for both. But Wilson, I'm only looking at in in best ball format just because. We haven't seen him yet. You know, there will obviously be inconsistencies as a rookie. Uh, Brees Hall, uh, love the t- love the player. He goes in, around in the fourth round, uh, which is okay. Uh, I feel like the first couple weeks, it'll be like he won't dominate touches right away as some may want that to happen. Like, I think they'll still use some Michael Carter, but then as the season goes on, maybe Brees can take more of a role, maybe similar to like Jonathan Taylor as a rookie when he 
you know, was eased in. And then after he started to really pop off. So that's what you got to understand when you take uh, Brees Hall. You can't expect uh, immediate impact, I feel like. Yeah, I think those are really good points. Like, we love the talent. He was like 99th percentile and everything that he did. Great college guy, but like, he's probably not going to make an impact right away as much as I'm getting a lot of shares of him too, like fourth round, because I just love the upside, but he's a guy that could start slowly. And then more too. more was, I think you tweeted, somebody tweeted, I forget from week seven to 13, Elijah Moore was fourth at the wide receiver position. Wow. That's not like a two week sample size. That's pretty big. Like, but that was also the Mike, uh, Mike white season. So we'll see uh, how he can one. gel with, with Sam Darnold. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So that's our, that's our jets wrap up. That'll be good for our, our Northeast uh, clientele and following here. Okay. So Tom, a uh, couple more news updates. McVay's comments on Akers and Henderson mentioned it last show. Uh, these guys on the Rams are dealing with soft tissue as uh, soft tissue issues. It's a tongue twister. What's our <laughs> level of concern there for Akers for the backfield of the Rams? So for both of them, the reports are that it's not super serious, um, which, you know, I, I makes sense. Um, it's just kind of something that they, they're probably giving them some rest, whereas if they had a game, they would be able to play. Um, I've talked a lot about how I am out on acres uh, at his ADP coming off of the Achilles injury. And one thing that's interesting to think about is that coming off this type of major ankle surgery, like the Achilles, very rarely do people regain the full motion in the foot and the ankle, and very rarely do they regain the full strength in the calf. That's important for our overall mechanics with just daily walking, but especially with athletic activity. If your ankle's not moving through its full range of motion, our ankles are biggest shock absorber. So you're not absorbing shock through that ankle properly. Then therefore more and more force goes through the other parts of the leg, which could lead to soft tissue injuries. If you don't have the proper strength, our calf is where we get a lot of our push off from when we're running. Um, if you're not pushing off there adequately, you're going to steal force from elsewhere. A lot of times the hip flexor is, is where that comes from. So this is all speculative. I don't know. I don't have my hands on him. I don't see him, but these are all common patterns that we see with people coming off of this type of injury. So I wouldn't be surprised if this type of stuff continues to happen with acres. Um, regardless, I don't, well, I'll save the I'll save the rest of my comments on him for later. Sounds yeah. like a sneak preview for who it might be on one of your Mount Rushmore's there. But Frank, <laughs> any input on Acres Henderson? Any like quick remarks uh, on on that backfield? I'm going to give you quick remarks because I was going to get into him later too. He's on uh, in our uh, Mount Rushmore uh, segment, but uh, <laughs> I share I share the concerns here on Acres. Like he goes really high. He's in the top fifty in average draft position and. Coming off the Achilles, like you said, he didn't look as effective last year. I know he came back way earlier than expected, and maybe with an offseason you could see improvement, but I don't want to bet on that with such a, you know, such high draft capital. You could see Daryl Henderson factor in a little more, and plus, if you want to just get exposure to this backfield, you can just take Henderson much later. Way and just later. Way less of a risk. You can just pick another player at acres ADP who is safer and has similar upside, which we'll get into later on. Yes. Might be the first time. I mean, hopefully there's more, but all three of us seem to be on the same page. We'll see if that ever happens again. 
<laughs> okay, and one more big news update here. So Kenneth Walker III dealing with the hernia issue. Pete Carroll is hilarious to follow and listen because whatever he tweeted and said seemed like he's never seen an injury before. He's like, I don't even know what what words he used, Tom. He's like dealing with the, I don't even know what he said. But what is a small hernia issue? Is that what it is? Are we super worried about Walker? And then what's the implications further for Penny? But let's let's talk about his hernia or, or whatever the injury is. Yeah, so it's funny. In the end of the day, Carol's original comments actually held true this time. He was saying that it's like a, a small hernia, but it's not an, an abdominal injury or something along the, or not a sports hernia is what he said, um, which actually ended up being true. It's, it was just kind of interesting in the, in the time because you don't really see people at this age getting a um, this type of hernia. So it certainly can happen but it's just not as common. This type of hernia that, that uh, Kenneth Walker's having is, is from an organ prolapse where one of your organs literally just pushes through the abdominal cavity where it's not supposed to. There's a couple different types and or a couple different names and, and the names just indicate where the hernia occurs. Uh, the most common is an inguinal hernia. And then there's also femoral, umbilical, and hiatal hernias. Um, and it, again, that just indicates the location in the abdomen that the protrusion of the organs is occurring. Um, so it's, it's different than a sports hernia, which in recent medical literature, we're starting to change the name of sports hernia to abdominal or core muscle injury. Uh, what that is, is where the abdominals all attach on the pubic bone and they can, can have a, like a micro tear or a strain at that region. And often the groin muscles, which also attach on the other side of the pubic bone, are also often implicated there. So that really creates a lot of problems because we use our core for every movement that we do. So it's very hard to heal. This type of hernia, he'll, he had surgery yesterday. And generally, it's four to six weeks of, of not really being super active. So not lifting anything, not running, jumping, etc. Uh, but people do really well after these. So but what we need to consider is, is if he follows this uh, typical rehab guidelines, he's not going to do any running, lifting or anything for probably four weeks, which puts him right up around week one. I don't I know they're saying he'll be ready for week one. I think that's very generous. I would expect more of like a week three uh, type of type of return just to make sure that it doesn't get re-aggravated. Okay, so level of concern seems to be somewhere in the middle. Um, I mean, your explanation made it sound really bad. His organs are popping through, I mean, whatever, but seems like he'll be at least ready to go, hopefully like week two or three. But that leads us to, to one more thing. Frank, I'll let you just touch on this here because sure. you might be the conductor of the Rashad Penny <laughs> train itself. I mean, you, you love him. You've been talking about him like, is this a guy you think you draft a little bit earlier now? I mean, what's, what's your thoughts on, on Penny or the, like the situation in general? Well, you know, coming into the season, I thought Penny would be the lead back, not like a bell cow, but a 1A and then Walker, sort of like a change of pace, just because we've seen Pete Carroll do that in the past when he relied on uh, Chris Carson, even though they used the first rounder on Rashad Penny. So I was always optimistic about Penny's usage and probably on the higher end of projecting it compared to others in, in fantasy football. But to answer your question, the fact that now Walker 
uh, could be out until week three, it, it definitely is a, is a bump in to Penny because if Penny um, uh, carries over uh, to some extent his dominance, what he showed last season, like if he's playing well, Pete Carroll is going to be riding the hot hand. When the rookie comes back week three, he'll probably ease him in. He, he's, he won't factor in uh, prominently immediately, like not right away that he'll get a big role. So it'll take some time for Walker to really uh, get more of a role in the offense. So it's definitely good news for Penny. And uh, I already had him high, like at RB20. Maybe I could move. It's tough to move him any any higher than that. But I'm going to look into that when I update the rankings. I'm just waiting on the, the Sean Watson news before I do an update because it's like it changes so much. It so. really does. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It's hard to, you're right. It's hard. I think ADP on at least fantasy pros, he's at like 30, 20 is very, very high on him. But again, it's yeah. hard to move him inside that. Cause you'd have to pass like, you know, guys like James Connor or Zeke or, yeah. you know, Antonio, well, we're a little bit low on Gibson, but 20 is pretty optimistic, man. Yeah. I like him too. I like him too. Um, so we shall see the news there. Okay. That's it for our news updates. It is time for, our show. Well, this has been the show, but it's time for the, the meat and the bones of the show. So Mount Rushmore. So everybody's familiar with Mount Rushmore. We see it all the time. It's basically for those of you at home who don't know, it's your top four of whatever. Obviously, we're talking fantasy football here, or sometimes it could be your bottom. Uh, Tom, I'm going to put you on the spot. I didn't put this on our script because I wanted this to be genuine. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to give you two quick history trivia questions here oh, before boy. we go. <laughs> Frank, I'm a history teacher, uh, so oh, I, nice. I got to throw in the history. um okay tom what state is mount rushmore in south dakota all right one for one okay what four u.s presidents are on mount rushmore oh my goodness george washington abraham lincoln that's two oh geez um i don't even know if he was a president but benjamin franklin he was not a president and he's not on it. The other guy wrote the Declaration of Independence. Third, third president. Uh, can I have Frank help me out? I'm Tom is super smart in, in a lot of ways, but uh, it looks like he needs a little. I history. love history, love you, but I'm not as good with American history. But I'm going to get like, is FTR on on there? Roosevelt or no? Not FTR. There, there's the other Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, Teddy there. Roosevelt. Yeah. And then the other. Teddy Roosevelt. And the other guy is uh, Thomas Jefferson. Oh, All right. Tom's going to hate me for one. putting that on the show, but <laughs> you didn't do bad. You got like a 70 on your exam. Not bad, but 50. here we go. So let's dive in, guys. So we're going to start with our bad Mount Rushmore. So these are guys we will go back and forth between Frank and Tom, and they've each selected four players. Again, four guys that they think are going to really underperform this year, according to their ADP, of course and not return their value. And then four guys who they think will, will smash, will beat, will outperform possibly guys that could be league winners, even guys that can jump a tier. Um, gents, any questions on the format? We got it. Nice and easy. Got it. it. All right. Who's going first. I forget who we said. I could start us off. All right. Frank's going to start us off. So Frank, give us your first player on your bad Mount Rushmore. Okay, so before I started, I just want to say that if they 
when I'm putting them on the bad Mount Rushmore, it's not saying I'm doing it like I'm completely ignoring them. It's just that at this cost, what they're currently at, I used underdog ADP. I just I'm not targeting them there. So the first one quarterback is Patrick Mahomes. He's going as quarterback four and he, his ADP is 52.1. Now I get it. He's Mahomes. He's the best quarterback in the league. He's going to likely go down as one of the best of all time. He's un- he has the total package. But the thing is, like, the, the quarterback position, if you really think about it, in terms of upside options, it's in great hands. There's so many at the top there. There's, you know, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, uh, Lamar Jackson. So you factor in that Mahomes lost Tyree Kill. I know they, you know, they made, they added a few options, maybe going a more balanced uh, passing game. You know, they got Juju, Sky Moore, MBS. But the fact is they lost one of, an elite receiver and Patrick Mahomes finished as quarterback five in fantasy points per game last year. Now he's going quarterback four. I know he the offense really improved down the stretch and was really firing on all cylinders, but they showed some cracks in the armor there. There was that stretch midseason where they were struggling offensively. And you look at that wide receiver room. I really like Juju to bounce back, but hey, let's 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 call it how it is. He hasn't been as good in his last couple seasons. I know he's dealt with injuries, but what if he just continues his struggles then what you got mbs and a rookie sky Moore, like it's a little bit fragile i know travis kelsey's there but he's in his 30s what if you know father time is undefeated what if he shows some signs of decline i don't think he will but this is like a this is like a worst case scenario that i don't think people are factoring in enough in what we have with mahomes adp like it could he could have a down year we've seen it from the elite quarterbacks aaron Rodgers has had down fantasy years so I don't think we need to assume that he's always going to be in the top five. Um, And what I did here is I looked at ADP and I gave an alternative option. I'd rather take Rashad Bateman receiver on the Ravens at that price, 54.1 ADP. And then I could wait around and take another quarterback, one of the players that I mentioned. So I just feel like the ADP is, is too much for me on Mahomes. I think this year more than any other year is a, phenomenal year to to subscribe to the late QB strategy. Like you can get guys really capable guys in like the eighth, ninth, 10th or later rounds. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. That was a tremendous analysis. That that was awesome, Frank. Yeah. I mean, I see him actually uh, over here at quarterback two on, on some of the sites. I mean, which is overall 33. It, there are people really diving in. And I didn't even, you said he finished the what quarterback five last year? Yeah, on a points per game basis. Okay. And he's being drafted as quarterback too. So you did say Father Time is undefeated. I guess that's true for everyone in the league except for Tom Brady, but I don't think Mahomes is Brady. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's a really good one. So it's a good one to start. I don't think we talk quarterbacks too much, but Mahomes is a guy that Frank is fading and he looks to, uh, you know, some other guys at the ADP there. Okay. How about you, Tom? Who was your first guy that you're you're definitely fading this year? My first one that we'll talk about is Elijah Mitchell. He's uh, for Fantasy Pros ADP. He's going at running back 23, overall 50. Um, he missed five games last year due to three different injuries. I- I'm not going to go ahead and speculate that he's injury prone yet, but I mean, that's not a great start as far as injuries go to your career. He's on a team that has never been loyal to running backs at least under the Shanahan regime it seems like every year they got a different guy leading leading the pack on every like quarter of the season 
sometimes. Um, he's already dealing with a hamstring injury. Um, <clears throat> running backs average missing 2.5 games from this, um, which, you know, it's early enough before the season starts that shouldn't impact him. But, Joe, we've talked numerous times about how a, the risk for uh, a second or, or subsequent hamstring injury is increased by 2.7 times after a previous one, especially when it's in a shorter time frame like this. And um, he catches some balls, but he's not a major pass catcher. He only had 20 targets all of last season. Now, he did catch 95% of them, 19 of them. But he just doesn't really get targeted a lot. And I, I really think that Trey Lance is going to vulture a lot of touchdowns from him. Yeah, I'm with that. I wrote the article about Mitchell about how I don't like him. A whole bunch of red flags, basically. He doesn't get targets. His efficiency wasn't even good last year. He missed six games. He broke down. Um, listen, Lance could come in and get a lot of this goal line work there. They drafted uh, Tyron Davis Price, who, again, at this time last year, who was the guy? Uh, what was it? Trey Sermon we were looking oh my at. God, People I drafted were so him high on first him. round in Dynasty. Yeah, me too. In one I league. love Trey Sermon last year. But they're a team like under Shanahan that it's like you cannot trust anything about their backfield. Like I could see Davis Price being the guy later in the year. I mean, Mitchell is, is a decent running back, but to throw my hat in the ring there, I mean, I'm fading Mitchell too. Um, just real quick, Frank, in or out. You don't need an analysis, but are you in or out on Mitchell at his ADP this year? I just want to, like, originally I was out and then I was in because I was reading camp reports that they're really expected to feature him. But I... You raised the, the concerns I had earlier on. It just, it's, it's a, it's like in between. It depends. It, I'm going to say I'm still a bit in on him, but I totally understand the concerns. It's just the reason for positive uh, outlook on him is like Trey Lance as a rush threat will open up running lanes in a great running scheme. Uh, Shanahan's shown trust in him. Uh, uh, camp reports said that he, that Tyrion Davis price was a bit behind and uh, Mitchell, you know, could really get a ton of work, but I'm not going to be like going out of my way to looking at drafting Mitchell just because of the concerns you outline. It's just like, let's say I start wide receiver heavy or zero RB type of build, you know, maybe I'll get Mitchell, but if it's not like I'm going in saying, Oh, I want him," Like I want say a Kyle Pitts or a, Rashad Penny or someone like that. So I'm kind of lukewarm on him. Sure. Tom's ears just perked up with the Kyle Pitts comment. So way to get him excited <laughs> here on this uh, Thursday morning. <laughs> All right. So Frank, you gave us Mahomes as your first guy. Um, who is guy number two who was on your bad Mount Rushmore? All right. So we're going to go on to running back. And we mentioned him earlier. It's just Cam Akers. And this one, I know I said if they fall enough, I'll take them. But I don't know a scenario where Akers will fall enough because he, he won't fall to like the sixth in any draft. So I'm not going to be drafting him. It's just coming off the torn Achilles, uh, you know, even before this soft tissue issue with him and uh, Daryl Henderson, like they were listed as co-starters on the depth chart in camp. So it, it might be clear that they want to incorporate Henderson a bit. And from what it looked like, Henderson is a better receiver out of the backfield. So you might see him take away targets, which are, valuable part of acres value and you look at whoever likes acres their argument is basically you know mcveigh's always used a workhorse it's a good offense and acres now had more time to heal but like you're really betting on high volume there when you're taking him at 47.8 adp i i'm just, that's on underdog by the way um 
it's just too expensive for me. I'd rather take a receiver there like a Juju Smith-Schuster. You get someone who has an established track record and now is catching passes from Mahomes. I know I mentioned there's risk with him, you know, keeping up his struggles, but there's also upside given that now he's on Kansas City instead of Pittsburgh. So to sum it up, Akers is just too expensive given the injury concerns and the concerns in usage. Yeah, I completely agree. At this point, no running back has ever successfully returned from an Achilles injury. Now, that's going to change at some point as medical surgeries and rehab continues to get better, but I'm not going to bet on the guy who's going to be the first one to break that trend. I would rather miss out on it and draft him the following season. Akers, a guy that we're, so we're collectively out on. So, Frank, I think what separates you from everybody else is that you have an alternative. Listen, that's why this guy's got, I'll blow you up a little bit. That's why he's got 11,000 followers on Twitter, everybody. He's a man with a plan. Like he's not just saying he's out on somebody, but he's saying, okay, if this person is here, I'm taking them instead. You guys got to go into your drafts with a plan. Um, okay. And uh, you, you just stole somebody from Tom's list. So Tom's going to have to go deep into his, uh, his arsenal here. Cam Akers was on Tom's list. Give us another guy, Tom, another guy that you're out on for this year. Another one I'm out on is DK Metcalf um, on fantasy pros. He's going at wide receiver 19 overall 48. Like he's, he's terrific. He's terrific, but it's all about the QB. Drew Locke is not a provider in 2020. When Locke was really the starter, he started 16 games. He only threw for 2,933 yards and 16 touchdowns, which is 225 yards per game and 1.2 touchdowns per game. Over 17 games, that's only 20.9 touchdowns. That's not going to provide DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and you know he's not going to only throw to two players. So over the, the course of a full season, that is not returning much value for you. Now, I understand there's the argument that Geno Smith might be the starter and that in the couple games that Geno played last year, he really targeted Metcalf, and Metcalf actually played pretty well. That's a tiny sample size, and I'm not trusting it. It's I can totally understand if some people do want to trust it, but I'm personally not going to not, I don't believe in Geno Smith at all. Um, his counterpart, Tyler Lockett is going way later wide receiver 37, 91 overall. They're completely different players, but they're both historically really productive fantasy players. So why, why not just take Tyler Lockett way later and get somebody else uh, in round four or five or wherever you would get Metcalf. I'm with that. Two rookie starting tackles over there in Seattle. Um, also, I feel like the Seahawks are playing in like the 1960s where they just run the ball 35 times, 40 times a game. And it's like a lot less passes to go around without Russell Wilson. So that's another one I can, uh, I can totally get behind. Totally All right, agree. moving on. Number three on your list, Frank. You're with that too, with the Metcalf against. Oh yeah, Seattle will likely be run heavy, and why are you gonna? It's basically just taking Metcalf because of his talent. I know it's good to bet on talent, but this is a case where it just the other, like you said, Tyler Lockett, who's been similarly productive, you could get way later. So if you want to take a undervalued, uh, if you think the Seahawks passing game is undervalued, just with Lockett, the opportunity cost is much lower there. Yeah, I mean, you see DK Metcalf with his shirt off and he looks like he should just run through the league, but uh, it's not always about talent. It's sometimes about opportunity and the offense that surrounds you, of course. So 
Okay, so uh, Frank, you've given us Mahomes and Acres. I'm assuming you're going wide receiver here. Yes, I am. And I drafted this player in the Scott Fishbowl just because, you know, you always have to think there's a chance that you're wrong. But I'm out on – I'm really not interested in Tyree Kill. He's going as wide receiver 9 and 22.8 ADP on underdog. That's, the, that's not enough of a bump considering the quarterback downgrade from Mahomes to Tua. And, you know, he's joining a Miami team where – Tua's already has a real good connection with Jalen Waddle. Like, who's to say that it's not like a 1A, 1B situation instead of Hill as the clear-cut one? You know, Waddle, as a rookie, put up impressive uh, target share that, you know, he could be a total stud in his own right. And then are they going to pass enough to really allow Hill to hit this type of ADP wide receiver nine? That's it's too expensive for me. I know jo- um, uh, McDaniel over there for coming from San Fran should have a good scheme. He's a progressive mind. You could tell like he'll likely be a, a good play caller, but it's just too expensive for me at this cost. And I'd rather go with someone like another receiver who switched teams. And that's AJ Brown, AJ Brown. I know he's joining an Eagles team that was run heavy down the stretch, but Earlier on in the year, they passed at a much higher rate. And I think that's what Nick Sirianni wants to do. It's not like he, I think he recognized that his best course of action at the time in that year was to become run heavy, just given the fact that they just had a rookie Devonta Smith with Dallas Goddard. They didn't have as many pass catchers. So he he understood and it worked out, but I don't think that's the way he wants to play moving forward. And I think that's shown by the trade for AJ Brown. And now, unlike Hill, Brown is joining a, a team with a quarterback who, you know, Hurts with Devonta Smith, they had some, like sometimes Hurts would miss him downfield or he wouldn't see him when he's wide open. Or There was kind of a disconnect in chemistry, whereas Hill is joining Tua where he has chemistry with Waddle. I just think Brown's extremely talented in his own right. I think he'll even outproduce Hill. And you can get him a little bit later. He goes as wide receiver 11, 26.4 ADP. So that's my that's my spiel on Hill. Well done. Um, like, how strong is Tua's arm? Like, we've seen it in preseason. He, he's throwing some deep balls. But last year, some statistics here, ranked 30th in the league and passes over 20 yards in the air. Um, I think Kosicki could take some attention away. Edmonds out of the backfield. Also, last year was a career low in uh, yak for Tyreek Hill. So, again, another guy that we love the player for, but maybe the opportunity and the overall scheme might not be the best. I do love me some Waddle this year as well. Again, a guy you can get a little bit more of a discount instead of Tyreek Hill. So, Tom, moving on to you, my brother. And (laughs) I think you should – I I see your other two guys on the list here. I don't have Frank's guys, but I do have a list of who Tom's going with. Tom, why don't you – Go on to the guy that Frank just mentioned. Yeah, so I actually have AJ Brown on this list. Oh, um, and I'm I'm an Eagles fan. You Debate, right fight, now. love it. <laughs> so on Fantasy Pros, he's going wide receiver nine overall, twenty six. I think this his is his absolute ceiling. Now he's one of the top most talented players at his position in the league, no question. I'm, even as an Eagles fan, not sold on Jalen Hurts as a thrower. I think he's a terrific fantasy football quarterback because his legs. I'm just not sold on his throwing. In 15 games last year, only 3,144 yards and 16 touchdowns. Now, 
as you mentioned, his receiving core was younger and not what, what it is now. Um, and they did run a whole lot. So I do expect Hertz's numbers to improve, but even if they improve, you know, let's say 4,000 yards, 24 touchdowns or something like that, that's still distributed between AJ Brown, Devonte Smith, Dallas Goddard, Quez Watkins. And we've also got some running backs out of the backfield that can catch the ball. I think AJ Brown's going to be good. I think he's going to be one of those players that's really good for his actual team, but I don't think that he returns his ADP. I was fading him early in the year. Now I think I'm back on the train. It's good to have disagreements like this to give the viewers kind of some perspective. I mean, I think he ranked, I got some numbers here on him, 24th in points per game last year. Eagles ranked 29th in passing plays per game last year, which was 17% less than the Titans. Hertz targeted wide receivers only 51% of the time, which is the fourth, fourth fewest rate. There's a lot of competition there. It's just hard to pass up on A.J. Brown. I'm kind of, used the term lukewarm before, I'm kind of in the middle on him. I'm going to have to listen to this podcast again and see who's, whose argument I like better so I can make my conclusion. But uh, I'm kind of glad you guys have a disagreement. That's good. Um, yeah. I just want to right. say one, one quick oh. thing. Uh, those are definitely fair concerns. I just think that, you know, who will take the hit more from those concerns is Devonta Smith, just because he's more of that, you know, separator route runner on the perimeter where he might be, have more volatile production, especially with, um, um, un, like a questionable thrower of the football and Jalen hurts. Whereas like AJ Brown, they can get him in space. Like as hurts is scrambling, you know, they can manufacture touches for him. Uh, check it down. I get your concerns, but I think they'll affect Smith more, but, Hey, we'll see what happens. Good talk. Yep. I smell a side bet. Okay. <laughs> Frank, you're last guy. Okay. I love that. According to the trend, you're going tight end here. I'm picking yes. up on, uh, on trends here. I'm guessing. Yeah, I tight made, end. <laughs> yes. Okay. I made it like that. So we got to mix up a position. So tight end originally I liked him, but then he just goes too high. It's Dalton Schultz on the Cowboys. He goes as tight end six which is a 71.3 ADP. I know he had 800 yards and eight touchdowns, something like that last year. I know Amari Cooper is gone. There's some opportunity, but number one, the Cowboys could still add someone like Will Fuller and that would take away from Schultz's target share. Number two, it's not like Michael Gallup is out for the entire season. I mean, he'll be back at some point, probably October ish. Thirdly, like Schultz, he, if you swapped him and Dallas Goddard in, team, in where they play, like let's say Goddard played in, in Dallas, I'd be way more excited about that because you could just see he's, he's great after the catch. He's got great efficiency numbers, whereas Schultz is just that, you know, solid uh, chain mover and as a tight end. He'll make some big catches, but he's not like explosive. So I just feel like it's just way too high. I'd rather wait on tight end here and take someone like I mentioned Goddard or even TJ Hawkinson. And cause look who you can take. I can go with Brandon Ayuk on the 49ers. Who's just ripping up camp. Uh, he's got, he's showing like he's got clear chemistry with Lance. Cause remember he had a pretty good game with one of Trey Lance's starts last year. I think he went over 90 receiving yards. So it just, I'd rather not look at Schultz there and take a receiver. I might've had my tight end earlier taking like a Kyle Pitts. Or if I don't get someone like that, I'm going to be waiting. I'll, I'll pass on Schultz, get the receivers, and 
take one of the sleeper tight ends, like say a David Njoku or an Albert O in Denver. So I'm out on Dalton Schultz. All right. So if you don't get one of the top tight ends, you're not necessarily punting, but you're waiting. You're looking for some yeah. guys like like higher upside wide receivers or okay. exactly. And with Ayuk, people forget last year, I think Ayuk was drafted what two rounds ahead of Debo Samuel. So yeah, you know, they kind of swapped last year in terms of their performance. But listen, Ayuk is still a guy who can you're getting him in the fifth or sixth round. Sometimes I've seen him in as late as the seventh. That's a guy with some serious upside right there as well. So all right, so to summarize Frank's guys, he's got Patrick Mahomes, who he's fading. Now, once again, these are at ADP. Um, Mahomes, K-Makers, uh, Tyree Kill, and Dalton Schultz. Tom, why don't you wrap up your list for us? Who is your fourth guy that you're fading at their ADP? My last one is on Fantasy Pros, ADP wide receiver 21, overall 55. I've talked a lot about him. It's Chris Godwin coming off the ACL. He's being drafted at his absolute ceiling as well. Um, look, his ACL tear was in week 15. That's late. He's going to be about eight or so months rehabbed um, by the start of the season. I don't see him starting week one. Um, we've, like, we've, we've talked on all our previous shows about how these guys get cleared to practice when they're at 90% capacity on the injured side compared to the uninjured side. And that last 10%, one, takes a long time. Two is the difference with elite players and not elite players at this high of a level of competition. Um, he's not he's he's not on pup, but we've talked about how that sounds like they're really just letting him finish rehab on the roster versus being pup. He's not engaging in full practice yet, and he's got a huge competition for targets now with Mike Evans, the additions of Russell Gage and Julio Jones. Even if he wasn't coming off injury. That's a lot of competition from really good receivers who are going to demand targets. So I don't think he gets the target share that he's had in the past. And I just don't see him being hyper productive like he has in the past. Agreed. All right. You agree on something. Hallelujah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so Tom's players that he is fading his bad Mount Rushmore is AJ Brown, Elijah Mitchell, DK Metcalf and Chris Godwin. And once again, Frank's guys are Patrick Mahomes, Cam Akers, Tyree Kill, and Dalton Schultz. Guys, do you love your golf coach but wish the customer experience was more modern and seamless? Try Estruzzi, an innovative golf coach business management platform designed for players and their coaches. Your Estruzzi player locker makes applying your training material super easy by organizing images, videos, and training notes in chronological order by session. Your coach will love our tools for real-time scheduling, payment processing, and chat. After downloading Estruzzi from the Apple Store, invite your coach during account setup. Enough of the negativity, boys. Let's talk positive. Let's go to our good Mount Rushmore. Our, uh, our guys who we think, again, these could be potential league winners or even just guys that we think can jump a tier. I think it, it goes under underrated that when you're drafting, you shouldn't just have a list. You should have tiers, right? Have tiers of guys who, who you... Uh, I've kind of separated by how obviously how well they're going to perform, but draft the guys who you could see have a decent enough floor, but a guy that can possibly jump from tier two to one or a guy that can jump from four to three or, or three to two. So, Frank, let's start with you. Who is a guy who you love this year, a guy that you, you seem to be getting a lot of shares of at their ADP? 
So I'll start with a quarterback, Joe Burrow. He goes as quarterback eight, 75.6 ADP on underdog. You know, it's he's another year removed from the torn ACL. Last year, coming off such a serious knee injury, playing for a team with a weak offensive line, you could tell, like, the coaching staff eased him in early on. Like, they didn't pass as often. They didn't want him dropping back, you know, 35-plus, 40 times a game early on because they don't want him to get injured. That's a That's not a... A great plan there so as we saw down the stretch you know games against Kansas City and Baltimore when they open up the offense he really just totally smashed I mean also like looking at his efficiency numbers coming off that injury they were phenomenal 8.9 yards per attempt completed over 70 percent of his passes now I know detractors will say like he can't maintain that efficiency well firstly I think they'll They'll open it up and pass at a higher rate this time around just because that's the strength of their team with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Secondly, with such a great supporting cast, you got to think he's always going to be efficient. He's a good quarterback, and he's surrounded by great players. And they improved his offensive line. So you could argue that the Bengals have the best uh, skills group and, you know, improve when you factor in the op- offensive line, they could have the – best offense on paper in the NFL. So I'm loving Joe Burrow and he just really comes at a nice price. Plus Tyler Boyd, plus Joe Mixon. Yeah. I'm all in on Joey B, man. I he's we talked about him I think real early. He's just so cool too. I just love watching him just as a person and and yeah. we talked about the appendectomy. Did I say that right, Tom? Yes, you did. Okay, great. And he seems to be fine from that too. I like Joey B as well. Okay. All right, Tom, give us your first guy on your good Mount Rushmore, guy you're loving this year. Yeah, actually, Joey B's teammate is running back Joe Mixon, uh, Fantasy Pros ADP running back seven, overall 10. Now, I know there's not a whole lot of room to beat this ADP because he's going pretty early, but I think that he very well could finish top five or even top three running back. Look, last year, the offensive line PFF ranked at 20. This year, preseason, they have them ranked at eight. They invested a lot into the line. Um, obviously, we saw what happened in the Super Bowl, and, and they they needed to do that. Last season, he had 292 carries and 42 catches, so he's a high-volume player. Um, Frankie mentioned that maybe they'll throw a little bit more, and, and those carries could come down, but I think those targets come up, and we know targets are more valuable. This offense is absolutely elite. The team should be really good again in position to run out the clock at the end of the games. And I know there's some some concerns that some of these other running backs are going to eat into his work a little bit. I don't I don't think that's going to happen. I just think he Nixon is so much better than P. Ryan or Evans that they're going to want to keep him on the field. Um, also, outside of 2020, where he did miss quite a quite a bit of the season, in the other four seasons he's only missed five games. So relative to these other elite running backs, and we've talked about how they all have injury concerns. He, he's, he's no more concerning than anybody else. So what we're saying here is Bengals Super Bowl again. <laughs> we it love happened. Joe Burrow. We love Joe Mixon. It could. RB3, I think he was RB3 last year in the 25th or so offensive line. Um, I think there's only room for improvement. They added like three new offensive linemen. He finished fourth in total yards last year. He's really good. He's really, really, really good. And I think the Bengals are going to be really good again. Again, Frank brought it up, but the offensive line is 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 not everything, but it's a big part. 
and it, it's only going to get better. And, you know, they made it to the Super Bowl last year with a mediocre offensive line. Now with three new starters, you know, what did Jordan say? The roof is the ceiling or something like that. <laughs> this team could be really special this year. So, all right, moving on to you, Frank, who is your next guy who you think is going to crush this year? So the next one is running back Saquon Barkley. He goes as RB8 and uh, 1580p on underdog, and that's continued to move up throughout the offseason. I know people are disappointed with him because he was such a highly touted prospect, but you look at his production, you know, his career, rookie year, he was like RB2 in PPR points per game. He was smashed. Second year, you know, he got drafted in the top two, so people feel like they were disappointed, but he still finished as RB7 that year. Look at year three, tore his ACL in week two, so we can obviously he gets a pass for that. Week four, uh, year four, sorry, um, you know, he's coming off the ACL, he's dealing with other injuries, he's playing for a team with poor coaching, like Jason Garrett is not a good play caller, you know, he it was a bad situation when you add all that up. So it makes sense why he had such a disappointing season. Now he's fully healthy and he gets an improved coaching staff with Brian Dable. They're going to put him in positions to succeed. They don't have a clear cut wide receiver. One Barkley's the, should be the focal point of that offense. They'll get him in space. They'll get him those targets. He's got elite uh, receiving upside. He's still young. He's proving he's, you got to think that there's added motivation to, reestablish himself to be considered as one of the best running backs in the league. These are athletes. These are guys that are super competitive. So I'm loving Saquon Barkley. I know there's risk with Daniel Jones and who knows what if he's benched for Tyrod Taylor, that would be bad because running quarterbacks don't, don't uh, target their running backs as much, but I think the coaching staff should just like they have in their It's in their best interest to see, what Daniel Jones can do and give him a long leash. And if he struggles, then you move on after this year. So I am loving Saquon Barkley this season. Completely agree. All systems go, man. Frank, as soon as you said Barkley, I don't know if you looked at the screen, me and Tom, Tom was literally cheering with his hands oh. over his head. And I just kept <laughs> smiling because I love Barkley, dude. I love me some Barkley. I got, I got, I mean, my friends are going to listen to this, but I got 11th pick in my home league and I'm targeting Barkley at the tail end of the first or early in the second round every single time. In the beginning of the year, he was going like late second round, but you know, I wouldn't move him into the middle of the first round, but I'm all in on Barkley. He's just so good. He might, he might touch the ball 30 times a game and all those positive things that you brought up new coach, better offensive line. I mean, he catches a ton of passes and his confidence should be back too. hopefully after, you know, is his injury. So love me some Barkley. Who's next, Tom? Who you got? You gave us Joe Mixon so far. Who's your next guy that you're high on? I'm going to stick with the running back position. We're going to go Tony Pollard, Fantasy Pros, running back 29, overall 79. <clears throat> this is a Dallas offensive line that's ranked sixth via PFF. He's got a 5.1 career yards per carry, and that's on 318 carries. So that's not a, a, a super small sample size. That's, you know, that's pretty a pretty good summary of how he is as a runner. He's shown the ability to catch the ball, and there's reports from camp that he's actually been practicing in the slot so they can get Zeke and him on the field at the same time. And guess what? There's 165 vacated targets in Dallas between Cooper and Wilson, and Gallup's not going to be ready to go in the first half of the season. And even when he does get back, 
I would expect a little bit of a decline in the first couple games that Gallup plays. That's what we've seen on our data on fantasyinjuryteam.com ACL page. I fully believe that Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott can thrive on the same team in the same offense, similar to how we think Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon can. Totally agree. Dude who was top 10% in running back efficiency last year. I mean, we want to see him on the field more, but you brought up what, Tom? 5.1 yards per carry. His 6.4 yards per touch were better last year than JT, Kamara, and Eckler. I mean, obviously those guys are more workhorse and they're going to be on the field more, but when Pollard's on the field, he's explosive. Frank, real quick, who do you like at their ADP more, Zeke or Tony Pollard, just where they're being picked? For me, it's Tony Pollard. Like you mentioned, the efficiency he's shown, he's shown like he's still, he's only been the league three years and each year his role has grown. And I think, um, I love the comp to Aaron Jones and Aaron and AJ Dillon because the Cowboys similarly, they're kind of like, like they didn't really adequately replace Amari Cooper. So there's a whole there. There's just CD lamb and Dalton Schultz really. So there's room for them to feature Pollard more in the passing game. And I love to hear that news about him in the slot. You got to think they'll play them both at the same time. So I, and then, you know, Zeke hasn't been a picture of good health. If he misses time, Pollard is like an RB1. So I, I love I love targeting him, even though some may say he's an expensive backup. I would push back and say he's not really a backup. He's a key piece in this team. It's just that he's more of a 1B in the backfield. Exactly. And NFL teams want to get their best guys on the field. And Pollard is is up there for the Cowboys 100%. Okay. All right, Frank, you're on the clock. Last two guys here. You gave us Burrow and Barkley, the two Bs. Who is your third person who you are high on this year? All right, and that's wide receiver Justin Jefferson. He's been my wide receiver one. I take him first overall just because this is a year three superstar who's just ripped it up in both his years in the league. He gets an improved coaching staff with Kevin O'Connell coming from the Rams. You know, um, he's going to be reportedly moved around the formation, giving getting him those layup targets where he could really pad those stats. There was a quote that he said he's like he would watch Cooper Cup last year. He'd be like, how's this guy always so wide open? And he's like, no, now I understand. Now that he's seeing that scheme, he's going to be put in positions to really thrive. And the Vikings offense is, you know, look at that team. It's pretty good on paper. Kirk Cousins could find him the ball. Uh, I just think Justin Jefferson is going to go absolutely off this season. It's hard to be higher than where he's going, but you would take Justin Jefferson first overall. I love it. Yeah, especially because I want to quote was awesome. Yeah. And just to add a little thing is just like you look at Jefferson, you look at the running backs like Jonathan Taylor is great, but he had 80 plus red zone carries and that helped him get 18 touchdowns. That was twice as much as second most who had like 45. I looked previous years. The leader was at like 45 to 50. So it's an outlier. He needs touchdowns to really hit that RB1 or first overall type of player. McCaffrey's great, but we know he's dealt with injuries. I'd put him as the other option at one. But you look at Jefferson, like he be playing receiver, much less injury risk at that position. He's got similar upside in that. I think he could really put up like 1600 receiving yards with double digit touchdowns and a lot of catches. So it's like a combination of, of floor and upside that I really like that I'd take at first overall. Not Cooper Cup, not Jamar Chase, 
the first wide receiver off the board should be Justin Jefferson. 100% behind it. All right. Tommy Boy, you're up. Mixon and Pollard, give us your third guy who you're loving. Yes, sir. I'm going to stick with the running back position. We talked about him earlier. It's Daryl Henderson. Fantasy Pros running back 44, overall 121. That's late. I'm seeing him sticking around in the 10th round. Look, in 10 games last season as the lead carrier, seven of them were double digits. This offensive line is ranked 11th on PFF, which is good. It's not elite, but it's good. We've talked a lot about how we don't trust his counterpart, Cam Akers. Henderson's proven to be a capable receiver and blocker. He can be on the field all three downs. McVay is adamantly stating that they're both going to play. It's going to be a timeshare. I don't think Henderson's a league winner by any means, but he's a really nice role player that has the potential to become like an RB2 type. And if you're getting him in the 10th round, that's really, really good value. Okay, Daryl Henderson. Um, Yeah, can't disagree with that. Maybe not like a sexy pick where everyone in your draft room is like, oh my God, Daryl Henderson, but a guy who's like, could be a good piece for you, especially going that late. Okay. All right, Frank, getting to the end of the show here, man. Give us your last guy. All right, it's tight end Kyle Pitts. He goes as tight end three, 31.9 ADP on, on underdog. And it's just the fact that this is a generational prospect who put up a thousand plus yards in his rookie season. That's unheard of for rookie tight ends. They take time to develop. If you go look at tra- like Travis Kelsey, Rob Gronkowski, their career stats, even like, you know, Mark Andrews, George Kittle, like they don't put up a thousand yards right away. And Pitts did. He's like sort of like a Calvin Johnson at tight end. Uh, you look at the Falcons. I know they have Marcus Mariota, who's a downgrade at passer from Matt Ryan, but I think Mariota can, you know, be a competent starter. Give like, you know, he's he's got some weapons there with Pitts and rookie Drake London. I think Pitts will be totally featured in in this uh, passing game. The the getting only one touchdown was just basically an outlier because players who get that many targets as Pitts did they're not getting only one touchdown that's not repeating I wouldn't even care about that stat it's just one of those sort of you know aberrations so I think Pitts can you know he he has the upside to finish as tight end one overall and you can get him in the third round it's just a bet on talent here the kid's a stud we often see players really take off from year two compared to year one. And I'm betting on talent here with Pitts. Yeah, hard to argue that, especially at the tight end position. What he did as, I mean, most rookie tight ends are kept in for blocking or they need to learn the scheme in the NFL, but this dude's going to be force-fed the ball. Like, and Tom, you brought up something that Mariota supplied who Delaney Walker, right? With a pretty yes. good season a couple of years back. Uh, I think this is um, Mariota's only time he's had a thousand yard receiver was Delaney Walker. Love me some Kyle Pitts, man. I, I usually wait on tight end, but I think if I can get Pitts late third or, you know, somewhere in the third round there and I don't love anybody else, I think Pitts is a smash play. I'm with that. All right, coming to the end of the show here. We got, I don't want the show to end. This has been fun. Um, one more player for you, Tom. You gave us Mixon, Pollard, Henderson. Who's the last guy that you are eating up this year? Well, he's my guy that I've planted my flag on all summer long. He's going to be a league winner. Michael Thomas going fantasy pros wide receiver 28, overall 66. Look, I know he's coming off the injury, but he's had so much time to rehab this, this injury. 
He looks terrific in the videos in camp. All reports are outstanding. And we talked about this uh, either on the last show or the one before. If he performs at 80% of what he did in his last full season in 2019, that would be good enough to finish as wide receiver seven last year. And he's going at wide receiver eight right now. So he doesn't need to be 100% of the player that he was to still be a huge value at this pick. Um, now let's look at his quarterback. It's obviously not Drew Brees anymore. It's Jameis Winston. In Jameis Winston's past, he supplied Mike Evans as the wide receiver one in 2016, 20 in 2017, six in 2018, and eight in 2019. And he's also supplied Chris Godwin as a wide receiver 25 in 2018 and a wide receiver two in 2019. All of those are better than wide receiver 28. So there's no question that his quarterback can get him the ball. I mean, his quarterback's hilarious to watch because half his throws go to the wrong team. But the ones that go to the right <laughs> team are really valuable. And I, I just, he's such a steal where he's going. I do think that he'll continue to rise in ADP as we get closer and closer to the season. But right now, oh my God, I love him. Can't guard Mike. Frank, do you agree on the on the Thomas take? Oh yeah, I agree. Now that you're seeing him, he looks healthy. Those of those drafters who were, you know, drafting like earlier in the year when he's going like seventh, eighth round are gonna be loving life right now because he'll continue to move up in ADP, I I think, as we get closer to, to our draft. Right. All right, so that'll uh, conclude our Mount Rushmore. That was some amazing information, guys. So we gave you 16 players. So just to recap, the players that Tom does not like his bad Mount Rushmore was A.J. Brown, Elijah Mitchell, D.K. Metcalf, and Chris Godwin. The guys that Frank did not like his bad Mount Rushmore was Pat Mahomes, Cam Akers, Tyreek Hill, and Dalton Schultz. And the guys they liked, Tom likes Joe Mixon, Tony Pollard, Daryl Henderson, and Michael Thomas. And Frank likes Joe Burrow, Saquon Barkley, Justin Jefferson, and Kyle Pitts. All right, boys. Thank you so much for an awesome show. Appreciate it. Any, any closing remarks? Anything you guys want to say? Frank, thank you so much for coming on our show, man. You were, you were awesome. Oh, thank you. I just wanted to say, you know, really appreciative for you having me. I'd love to come back and keep up the great work. And for those of you drafting, it's an exciting time. Uh, NFL season's right around the corner. I'm so excited. I can't wait. It is among us. Absolutely. So, and as always, thank you guys so much for listening and listen, we hope you guys love the content as much as we love creating it and making the show for you again, a really special shout out. Thank you, Frank Amarante guys, give him a follow. He is an electric, awesome follow over at Twitter at F Amarante TFJ. We'll make sure we put him on our page as well. Got some more special guests. Hope to have Frank back on our show soon, but thank you guys, Tom and Frank. Thank you guys so much. And we'll see you guys next time. This is the fantasy injury team podcast. Thank you.